Chapters 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 of Ruth Hall by Fanny Fern. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Deborah Knight. Chapter 15 Hello! What are you doing there? exclaimed the doctor, looking over the fence at a laborer at work in one of Harry's fields. Plowin' this bit of ground, sir. Mr. Hall told me to be sure and get it finished before he came home from the city this afternoon. Nonsense, replied the doctor. I was born some time before my son Harry. Put up your plow and lay that bit of stone wall yonder. That needs to be done first. I'm thinking Master Hall won't be awful liking it if I do, sir, said Pat. I had my orders for the day's work before Master went to the city, sir, this morning. "'Poo-poo!' said the old man, unchaining the horse from the plow, and turning him loose in the pasture. "'Young folks think old folks are fools. Old folks know young folks to be so.' Pat eyed the doctor, scratched his head, and began slowly to lay the stone wall. "'What's that fellow doing over yonder?' said the doctor to Pat. "'Planting corn, your honor.' "'Corn? Ha, ha!' "'City farming. Good. Corn? That's just the spot for potatoes. Hello there! Don't plant any more corn in that spot, John. It never'll come to anything. Never.' "'But, Mr. Hall,' said John, hesitatingly, leaning on his hoe-handle. "'Harry, oh, never mind him. He has seen more ledgers than corn. Corn! Ha! Huh, that's good!' "'You can go cart that load of gravel up the hill. "'What a fortunate thing for Harry that I am here to oversee things. "'This amateur farming is pretty play enough, "'but the way it sinks the money is more curious than profitable. "'I wonder now if that tree is grafted right. "'I'll take off the ligatures and see. "'That hedge won't grow, I'm certain. "'The down-east cedars thrive the best for hedges. "'I may as well pull these up and tell Harry to get some of the other kind.' and the doctor pulled him up by the roots and threw them over the fence end of chapter 15 chapter 16 time for papa to come said little daisy seating herself on the low doorstep the sun has crept way round to the big apple tree and daisy shook back her hair and settling her little elbows on her knees sat with her chin in her palms, dreamily watching the shifting clouds. A butterfly alights on a blade of grass near her. Daisy springs up, her long hair floating like a veil about her shoulders, and her tiny feet scarce bending the clover blossoms, and tiptoes carefully along in pursuit. He's gone, Daisy, but never mind. Like many other coveted treasures, he would lose his brilliance if caught. Daisy has found something else. She closes her hand over it, and returns to her old watch-post on the doorstep. She seats herself again, and, loosing her tiny hold, out creeps a great bushy yellow caterpillar. Daisy places him carefully on the back of her little blue-veined hand, and he commences his travels up the polished arm to the little round shoulder. When he reaches the lace sleeve, Daisy's laugh rings out like a robin's carol, and she puts him back to retravel the same smooth road again. "'Oh, Daisy, Daisy,' said Ruth, stepping up behind her. "'What an ugly playfellow! Put him down, do, darling. 
I cannot bear to see him on your arm.' "'Why, God made him,' said Daisy, with sweet upturned eyes of wonder. "'True, darling,' said Ruth, in a hushed whisper, kissing the child's brow with a strange feeling of awe. "'Keep him, Daisy, dear, if you like.'" End of Chapter 16 Chapter 17 "'Please, sir, I'll be after leaving tonight,' said John, scraping out his hind foot, as Harry drew rein on Romeo and halted under a large apple tree. "'Leave!' exclaimed Harry, patting Romeo's neck. "'You seemed a contented fellow enough when I left for the city this morning. Don't your wages suit? What's in the wind now? Out with it, man!' John scratched his head, kicked away a pebble with the toe of his brogan, looked up and looked down, and finally said, lowering his voice to a confidential whisper, as he glanced in the direction of the doctor's cottage, "'It's the old gentleman, sir, saving your presence. It is not too, Massa's Pat would be after having.' And Pat narrated the affair of the plough. Harry bit his lip and struck Romeo a little quick cut with his riding-whip. Harry was one of the most dutiful of sons, and never treated his father with disrespect. He had chosen a separate home, that he might be master of it, and this old annoyance in a new shape was very provoking. "'Pat,' said he at length, "'there is only one master here. When I give you an order, you are to stick to it, till you get a different one from me. Do you understand?' "'By the Holy Mother, I'll do it,' said Pat delightedly, resuming his hoe with fresh vigor. End of chapter 17 Chapter 18 "'That's the fourth gig that has been tied to Harry's fence since dinner,' said the old lady. "'I hope Harry's business will continue to prosper. Company, company, company. And there's Ruth, as I live, romping round that meadow without a bit of a bonnet.' "'Now she's climbing a cherry-tree. "'A married woman climbing a cherry-tree. "'Doctor, do you hear that?' "'Shoot him down,' said the doctor abstractedly, "'without lifting his eyes from the almanac. "'Shoot who down?' said the old lady, "'shaking him by the shoulder. "'I said that romp of a Ruth was up in a cherry-tree.' "'Oh, I thought you were talking of those thievish robins "'stealing the cherries,' said the doctor.' as to ruth i've given her up long ago she never will settle down to anything yesterday as i was taking a walk over harry's farm to see if things were not all going to the dogs i saw her down in the meadow yonder with her shoes and stockings off wading through a little brook to get at some flowers which grew on the other side half an hour after she came loitering up the road with her bonnet hanging on the back of her neck and her apron crammed full of grasses and herbs and branches and all sorts of green trash just then the minister came along i was glad of it good enough for her thinks i to myself she'll blush for once well what do you think she did miss hall what said the old lady, in a sepulchral whisper, dropping her knitting-needles and drawing her rocking-chair within kissing distance of the doctor. Why, she burst out a-laughin', perched herself on top of a stone wall, took a great big leaf to fan herself, and then invited the minister to sit down alongside of her, just as easy as if her hair wasn't all flying round her face like a wild Arab's. I give up now, 
said the old lady, dropping her hands in an attitude of the extremest dejection. "'There's no hope of her after that. And what is worse, it is no use talking to Harry. She's got him so bewitched that he imagines everything she does is right. How she did it passes me. I'm sure she has no beauty. I've no patience to see Harry twisting those yellow curls of hers round his fingers and calling them threads of gold, threads of fiddlesticks. She'd look a deal more proper like if she'd wear her hair smooth behind her ears as I do. But your hair is false, said the literal doctor. Doctor? said the old lady, snapping her eyes. I never can argue with you, but you are sure to get off the track sooner or later. There is no need of your telling all, you know. Suppose I was always alluding to your wig. How would you like it? End of chapter 18 Chapter 19 Winter had set in. The snow in soft white piles barred up the cottage door, and hung shelving over the barn roof and fences, while every tiny twig and branch bent heavily with its soft fleecy burthen. Papa was to go to the city that morning in a sleigh. Daisy had already heard the bells tinkling at the barn door, as Pat necklaced Romeo, who stood pawning and snorting, as if it were fine fun to plough five miles of unbroken road into the city. Daisy had turned Papa's overcoat sleeves inside out, and warmed them thoroughly at the fire. She had tied on his moccasins, and had thrown his fur collar round his neck, and now she stood holding his warm cap and furred gloves, while he and Mama were saying their usual good-byes. "'Take care of that cough, Daisy,' said Harry. "'Don't come to the door, darling, to breathe in this keen air. Kiss your hand to Papa from the window.' and Harry scratched the frost away with his fingernails from the window-pane, that Daisy might see him start. "'Oh, how pretty!' exclaimed the child, as Pat tossed the bright, scarlet-lined buffalo robe into the sleigh, and tucked the corners snugly over his master's feet, and Romeo, inspired by the merry tinkle of the bells and the keen frosty air, stood on his hind legs and playfully held up his forefeet. "'Oh, how pretty!' Harry turned his head as he gathered the reins in his hand. His cap was crowded down so snugly over his forehead, and his fur collar turned up so closely about his chin that only a glimpse of his dark eye and fine Roman nose was visible. One wave of the hand, and the light, feathery snow flew on either side, from under Romeo's flying heels, and Papa was out of sight. End of chapter 19